All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, Revelation, the third chapter. You know, oftentimes on Sunday morning when we come to the Lord's Supper, I will choose a different aspect to focus upon in our time of study or gathering around God's Word. Well, this morning I want us to do a little something different. This morning I want us to go to the book of Revelation, Revelation, the third chapter. I'm going to speak just a few moments out of a particular passage of Scripture uh, that is found there. And I think through that passage of Scripture, God is really going to challenge us as we prepare to step into a new year. It's hard to believe that 2019 is only two days away. Isn't that just, that? It, that's to me is just mind-boggling when I take a step back and think a whole nother year is almost gone. It's just time flies, doesn't it? As my mama used to remind us children all the time when we were wanting to get out of school so we could move on and get out from underneath, uh, you know, their care and get on to our own, she said, boys, don't rush your life away. The older you get, the quicker it goes. And I will tell you, there is a lot of truth in that statement, isn't it? You know, I told my wife one day when I turned 50, it seemed like yesterday I turned 40. And so 10 years is gone. And this year I will be three years into my 50s. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, the one saving grace is this. I think I'm a lot closer to seeing Jesus than I've ever been before. Amen? If you're old or getting older like me, that's the one saving grace we have, right? We're not far away from seeing Jesus. I know some of you young folks are jealous of that. Well, just hang on. Your day's coming, right? It is. But I look forward one day to beholding the face of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and hearing him say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. But you know, as we approach the year 2019, I realize a new year brings new opportunities. Isn't that true? Yes, life is filled with opportunities. Isn't that so true as we think about the new year? This morning, I want to speak to you for a few moments about the, the, the opportunity of a lifetime. This week as I was preparing this sermon, I actually listened to another sermon that a man was preaching out of the book of Revelation. It wasn't because I was preparing this sermon, but in that sermon he made mention of two very important facts. He said the number one book that most Christians want to study is the book of Revelation. And the reason is, is they know so little about it. The reverse of that is, he said, the number one book that pastors avoid preaching through is the book of Revelation because they know so little about it. And so that's the truth as you approach the book of Revelation. But I would tell you that the book of Revelation is a great book and it has a very powerful message for us as God's people. It is a book that really focuses on the nature and the character of of God or of Jesus Christ, really. That's what this book is all about. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't fear it. Surely we should approach it in the right way. But I would tell you today that the message of the book of Revelation is applicable to the time in which we live in. Not just because of future events that are taking place perhaps in the, in the time we're living in, but because of the message of the book of Revelation. It's all about the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus has very clearly revealed himself to John in the book of Revelation. And we catch a glimpse of who Jesus Christ is. So this morning, I want us to look at one of the seven messages that Jesus Christ spoke to the seven churches. Of those seven messages, there were only two churches that Jesus Christ had no rebuke for. The first church was the church... I'm sorry, I'm not in the right place. Excuse me one moment. I didn't mark my Bible this morning. That's not real good, is it? All right, thank you for being patient with me. The first church was the church in Smyrna. The second church is the church I want us to look at this morning. That is the church of Philadelphia. Now, this is the question I want you to think about today. If Jesus Christ were to write a letter to Crestwood, what would he say? Can you imagine for a moment getting a letter from Jesus Christ? A message from our Lord Jesus Christ? I wonder what he would include in that message if he was to write it about this body of believers that meets here at Crestwood Baptist Church. You know what my hopes would be? My hopes would be that he would say about us what he says about the church at Philadelphia. If there's any word that we could use to describe the church at Philadelphia, it is this one word. They were faithful. They were faithful. And as a result of being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know what he's going to say to them in this message? He's going to say to the church at Philadelphia, I have placed before you an open door, is what he's going to say. So if you have your Bibles or your device this morning, I want us to begin to read in verse 7. And I want you to listen to what it is that Jesus Christ is going to say to the church at Philadelphia. And he says to them, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, the one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will. Will open. Now, I just want us to pause right there for a moment, and I want us to reflect for a moment on how Jesus Christ reveals himself to this church. Did you hear what Jesus Christ said about himself as he was speaking to this church? He says to this church that he is the Holy One and the True One. Now, that means that there is no one who is like Jesus Christ who has ever lived. And his assessment about every single situation is always right, is what he's saying to this church. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus Christ knows these people that meet at this church in Philadelphia. He has watched them, he has assessed them, and he has come to understand something very important about this group of believers. He has come to understand or he knows that they are a church 
that is faithful. He goes on to say to them here that he is the one who has the key of David. That simply means that Jesus Christ has all authority. Now, that would be consistent in what Jesus Christ has said other places in the New Testament, right? Jesus Christ said in, Revela- I mean in uh, Matthew, the 28th chapter, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so I send you, my church, to go and make disciples of all nations. That's what Jesus Christ says. So we need to understand that Jesus Christ in his character is holy and true. His assessment is always right. There is no one who has ever lived like him and that he has all authority. He has authority over all things in this world and all things that are not in this world. That is what Jesus Christ is saying to this church. And I want you to listen to what he says to them next. I know your works. Have you noticed there is nothing that ever goes unnoticed by the trained eye of Jesus Christ? We can try to hide what is going on in our life. We can try to mask it. And we can do a good job at times of hiding it from other people. But I can tell you this. We can never hide anything from the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of our lives reads like an open book before the Lord. He never misses anything. Nothing is ever unseen in the eyes of Jesus Christ. We can hide things from people. We can hide things from our relatives. But Jesus Christ knows us better than we know ourselves. He never misses one single thing. Now I want you to listen to what else he's going to say to this church. He says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but, I'm sorry, I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not and are not but lie behold I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you because you have kept my word about patient endurance I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth I am coming soon Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on his name the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, when I first went into the ministry a number of years ago, I heard a man make a statement. This is what he said. He said, the opportunity of a lifetime must be grasped during the lifetime of the opportunity. Now, I want you to listen to it one more time. That's a mouthful, isn't it? 
That's kind of a tongue twister. My wife said, you ought to get up on Sunday morning and try to say that five times quickly. I said, I will do good to get it out of my mouth one time quickly. But this is what he said, and it has stuck with me throughout the years. He said, the opportunity of a lifetime must be grasped during the lifetime of the opportunity. You know, as I have thought about that statement through the years, I am convinced that is very true. Would you agree with me on that this morning? That the opportunity of a lifetime must be grasped during the lifetime of the opportunity? As I stated earlier, life is filled with many different opportunities. And if we are going to seize the opportunities that have been placed before us, we must grasp them during the time of the lifetime of the opportunity. Because if we don't, the opportunity may never come our way again. Isn't that true? Yeah, I believe that is very true. As I stated earlier, we are two days away from a new year. And as we approach the new year and we prepare to step through the door into the new year, there are going to be tremendous opportunities that will be placed before each one of us individually. Those opportunities will look very different for each and every person. Some of those opportunities will be spiritual opportunities, won't they? For some of you, for years, you have been praying for lost people and for the opportunity God has to give you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And this year, God is going to give you an open door to make Him known to those people. For others of you this morning, it may be the opportunity this coming year to get more connected with your spiritual family here at Crestwood Baptist Church. Maybe to get more plugged in, to build deeper relationships, to become a part of a Bible study on Sunday morning or to be more involved in ministry on Wednesday night. I don't know all of the opportunities that God will give you this year, but I can tell you this. The opportunity of a lifetime must be grasped during the lifetime of the opportunity. It must be grasped because it may never come your way again. Can I also apply that to God's church today? That there will be certain opportunities that God will give us this year as a body of believers that may never come our way again? Did you hear what Jesus Christ said to this church at Philadelphia? I have placed before you an open door. I am the one that opens doors and I am the one that closes doors. And what I open, no one can close. And what I close, no one can open is what Jesus Christ said. In the New Testament, an open door referred to an opportunity of ministry. That is what it means. 
God had placed before the church at Philadelphia an opportunity of ministry. He had looked at this church and he had realized this church is a faithful church and because they are a faithful church, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to place before them an open door of ministry for them, an opportunity of a lifetime. That's what Jesus Christ is saying to them. I'm going to give them that that opportunity. This morning, I want to share with you two truths that I see in this passage of Scripture about open doors of opportunity for us as God's people. Two things that I noticed as I studied through this passage of Scripture that I believe is applicable not only for the church at Philadelphia, but it's applicable for us this morning as God's people at Crestwood. Truth number one is this, only the Lord has the authority to open and close doors of ministry. Did you see that when I read in this passage earlier? On two different occasions in verses 7 and 8, Jesus Christ makes it very clear. I am the one who opens. I am the one who shuts. I am the one who opens. And when I open, no one can close. And when I shut, no one can open. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the harvest. And he is the head of the church. And because he is, he is the only one who has the right to determine when and where his people will serve. He only, he's the only one that has that right. That's what he said in this passage of Scripture. He knew this church works, and as a result of knowing this church, he had examined them, and he knew that they were faithful, and because of their faithfulness, he had placed before them an open door of opportunity is what he says here in this passage of Scripture. I don't know all that God has in store for us in the year of 2019. I don't know what doors of opportunity God may open before us as a church. Maybe it's a door of an opportunity to expand missions here at Crestwood Baptist Church. Maybe to partner with someone international. I don't know. Maybe it's to develop some kind of outreach ministry that would put us into the homes of the people in our community so that they would have the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure. But I do know this. It is only Jesus Christ who has the authority to open and close doors. It is His right to determine when and where His people will serve. That is scriptural. As a matter of fact, this is not the only place we see it in Scripture. If you were to go over to Acts, the 16th chapter, and read the story of Paul and Barnabas, they've been launched out on their second missionary journey. They have gone to Lystra and Derbe to encourage and strengthen the churches. After that, they decide they're going to go to Bithynia. It was a pagan area without the gospel of Jesus Christ. They start on their journey to Bithynia. They get there, and you would think, man, this is a wonderful door of opportunity for us to go into a region of the world that is without the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Scripture teaches us, it shares with us, it tells us the Holy Spirit closed the door. You're like, oh my goodness, why is that? I don't know why it is. We're just told that the Holy Spirit closed the door of ministry to Paul and Barnabas in Bithynia. 
Now later on, God sends Paul a vision of a man over in Macedonia. And that man is pleading with Paul and Barnabas to come to them. Paul and Barnabas go to Macedonia. God opens the door of opportunity there. And many people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So can we agree this morning it is only Jesus Christ who has the authority to open and close doors of ministry opportunity. And what we need to do as God's people is to put ourselves into position so that when God opens the door in front of us, that in faith we step through the door and we seize the opportunity that God has placed before us. Do you see that? So the first truth that we see about open doors of ministry opportunity is this. Only the Lord has the authority to open and close doors of ministry. Number two, it is not the size or the strength of a church that determines its ministry, but faith in the call and the command of the Lord. Let me say it again. It is not the size or the strength of a church that determines its ministry, but faith in the call and the command of the Lord. I like what one man said about faith in the call and the command of the Lord. This is what he said. He said, unbelief always sees obstacles. Faith always sees opportunities. Let me say it again. Unbelief always sees obstacles. Faith always sees opportunities. Now, the question we must ask ourselves is this. Is that scriptural? Is that biblical? Most of you are probably familiar with the story of the children of Israel. They're standing on the threshold of the promised land. Moses selects 12 men to go into the promised land to spy it out, to see if it is everything that God said it would be. Those 12 men go into the promised land. They spend 40 days in the promised land. They come back out, and every single one of them acknowledge that the land is all that God said it would be. Look here at the fruit. This is the evidence. Two of them said, in faith, we need to go take the inheritance that God has given us. Ten said, oh, now just a minute. Just a minute. Those guys over there, they're giants and we're like grasshoppers. Unbelief always sees obstacles. Faith always sees opportunities. And what happened? Rather than moving forward in faith, they backed up in unbelief and they spent 40 years in the wilderness. I wonder if there are times that has not happened in churches. God has said about a church, I'm going to give them a doorway 
of opportunity for ministry this year. And rather than stepping out in faith and responding in faith and seeing the opportunity that God has given them, they say, oh, whoa, now just a minute. Those people over there, they're a lot different than we are. Oh, what will those people do to our church if we invite them to come here? And rather than grasping the opportunity of a lifetime, they back up in unbelief and God says, okay, if that's what you would like to do, I'll just close that door. And you know what I'll do? I'll open that door for somebody else who's willing to step through it. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, it is easy for us to draw the conclusion when we look at this story that this church was not a big church. It wasn't a large church. Did you hear what Jesus Christ said about this church earlier when I read it? He said, I know that you have little power. That's what he says about them. It's a reference to their size. They were not many. I will tell you right now, this church didn't have the largest facilities or the most people on Sunday morning. They didn't have the largest ministry on TV or the largest budget in their community. But I will tell you this, what they did have, they were faithful to the call and the command of God. That's what they were faithful to. And as a result of being faithful to the call and the command of God, do you know what God says? I'm going to put an open door of opportunity before you. How do we know that they were faithful? Well, Jesus Christ says they were faithful. Did you hear what he said in this passage? He said to them, I know that you have kept my word. They were faithful to the word of God, is what it says here in this passage of Scripture. We live in a time where it is tempting to compromise God's word. In our modern-day world, it is easy for the church to convince themselves If they compromise a little here and fudge a little there, they will attract more people to their congregation. Can I remind you of something this morning? We will never, ever, ever reach the world by becoming like the world. We will not do it. We won't. It is only as we hold up the Word of God that we can reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the word of God is powerful and living and is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the word of God that the spirit of God uses to bring about conviction and draw people unto a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is not our slick presentation. It is not our great programs. It is Jesus Christ who draws people unto a saving knowledge of himself. It is not us. It is not us. What set this church apart was their faithfulness to the word of God. Do you see that? Not by compromising, not by fudging a little here, by holding up the truth of God's Word. I pray that we will always be a people who centers ourselves on the Word of God and we will always hold up the Word of God unashamedly before a lost and dying world. That we will never ever compromise when it comes to God's Word. Now we need to do that in a loving way, but we should always do it. Number two, 
He said they refused to deny his name. They were faithful to the name of Jesus Christ. Every year, citizens in the Roman Empire were called upon to burn incense and publicly declare declare that Caesar is Lord. But this church had refused to do that. As a matter of fact, the indication of the passage of Scripture is this small group with little power was boldly living out their faith publicly in a hostile environment. They were more concerned about being numbered with God than they were concerned about being numbered with the people of the world. And as a result of that, do you know what God said? You know what, church of Philadelphia? I find you to be faithful. And because you're faithful, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put before you an open door of opportunity for ministry. That's what I'm going to do. Because you see, church, what I open, no one can close. And what I close, no one can open, is what Jesus Christ said. So it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Jesus says, this is the truth. This is the reality. When I open, a door is open. When I close, it is closed. That's what he said here. Now, let me share something with you. I want you to see what happens when a church chooses to respond in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to what Jesus Christ says to this church. He's going to make them two promises. First, he's going to say to this church, I will protect you. I will protect you. Listen to what he says here. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell upon the earth. Now, most scholars believe he's referring to the great tribulation that's going to take place in the future one day. I believe that is true, but I believe there is a promise here that is applicable for us as God's believers, and this is the promise that I believe that is applicable for us. If we are faithful to step through the open door God gives us this year as his body, this is what God promises to do. I will take care of your battles. You don't need to worry about that. I'll protect you. I'll take care of you. This is the way we would say it in modern day vernacular. Jesus says, I've got your back, church. I've got your back. You don't worry about that. You focus on the open door of opportunity that I place before you in ministry. I'll take care of everything else, is what Jesus says. The second thing that he promised this church was this. God promised, or Jesus promised, to honor them. Did you see that here in this passage? Listen to what he says. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Verse 11, I am coming soon. Hold fast that you hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. Now this is, this is unique. This is great. In ancient cities, they often erected pillars of stone to honor great leaders. And they would write an inscription on that. But there are no pillars of stone 
in God's heavenly city. It's a spiritual city. There's no stones or pillars made of stone there. His pillars are faithful people who hear His name and respond to His glory. They walk by faith and not by sight so that man might see their good works and glorify God in heaven. Jesus said to that church, and He says to us at Crestwood, I will protect you and I will honor you if you will step through the open doors of opportunity that I give you in 2019. In a very real sense, Crestwood Baptist Church is like the church at Philadelphia. God has placed many open doors of opportunity before us. And the question we must ask ourselves this morning as a body of believers is this. Will we be found faithful like the church at Philadelphia? If God were to write a letter to Crestwood today, what would he say? Would he say, Crestwood, you are faithful. Father God, we thank you for your love and the way you speak through your word to our hearts and our lives. We thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. Father, I thank you that you have challenged us in your word this morning. And Father, my prayer is each one of us as believers, as a part of Crestwood, would take a step back and examine our hearts.